Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 10 of A View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. It's finally, it's fall. It's fall. I survived the show. I was at work for 12 days straight, and I'm still just real Real tired. Yeah, dude, uh, I, I get you. It has been an exhausting couple of weeks. And I mean, I've not even been working on a show. Just like, it's it's been an exhausting couple of weeks. But you know what's weird, Dave? Oh, by the way, uh, today we're watching episode 10. Hello, it's the uh, A Cry Baby Goblin. <laughs> but Dave, you know, before we get into that... Um, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, okay, so first of all, you know, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. And right now, right. normally, I would ask you what the first star of the week is. Just to see, like, what's going on in the news. Like, what might just... Things that are happening in the world I know, but around what's, us. What's really bizarre is that we sat down before we recorded this, and we were trying to think, like, has anything happened? And, like, honestly, like, there has been zero news. It's really just, bizarre. Just nothing. Like, there is nothing in, like, the world events for us to talk about. Yeah, you would... Yeah. Really unusually quiet, I think. I think the first time here on the Super Sentai Brothers, we haven't had any current events to talk about. Yeah, but you know, Matt... Well, oh, sorry, let me do the thing. So, no, wait, you have to ask me now. Okay, okay, so... But, if you could... But we do still have to do our opening segment. We can't just get yeah. to the show. I mean, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so, Dave... Like, like savages? I know. Of course not. Gotta, 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 gotta warm up the pipes first. Uh, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, despite the fact that there's no, just just again, like a vacuum of news for us right now, I was thinking about our city, Matt, the city that we live in, Cleveland. Ah, uh, the greatest place on earth. Yeah, uh, my favorite place on earth. And I was just thinking about how much I love Cleveland. Like, I love Cleveland. And, uh, you know, listen, Cleveland definitely has its problems. Sure. It does. Uh, it's a city that I love. And, you know, I was thinking about the World Series. You talked about the World Series a little bit last week. I've got a little distance on it now. And uh, I was really bummed out, Matt, that our team, the Indians, I was really, just really bummed out that the Indians didn't win I know. the I mean, thing honestly, that I wanted them to win. Like, as, as we were going through the World Series, like, initially, it really looked like we were going to win. Like, we were ahead like all news sources were reporting that we were up three to one in that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, let me be clear. I didn't like, I'm not like a Cubs fan. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not a Cubs fan. And I'm not even really like, I like, just I really wanted the Indians to win. Even though I'm not like a huge Indians fan. I just, I did. I wanted the Indians to win. And you know what? The, the team that I wanted to win didn't win. And uh, and that's lame because I'm seeing the Cubs all over the news, and I have to look at Rizzo's stupid face a whole bunch of times. Yep. Yeah, but even though my team that I wanted to win, Matt, didn't win, I do still love Cleveland. 
even though yeah, it has problems. I mean, listen, it's got many problems, Dave. I don't think anyone is going to argue with you that there isn't problems here, right here in Cleveland City. Um, but I still love it. And, but I still uh, love it. That series didn't make me didn't make me hate Cleveland. Didn't make me hate baseball. Um, and I'm I'm really just trying to look forward to next season. Uh, yep. See, you know, potentially that'll you know sort of you know get us some ground back where we might have lost it recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just think about you know, like, even though the team that I loved didn't win. Uh, you know, I still love my city. So what, Matt, is our... What's our second star of the week, Matt? You know, second star of the week is... I don't remember if we talked about it last week or the week before, but um, I was thinking about Luke Cage again. Dang, that show was so good. I know. Like, like honestly, just... I think we did talk about it last week, but I was so exhausted because we were doing that early morning <laughs> recording that I don't quite remember what we talked about. Uh, like, did we even talk about the fact that there was the scene where he was wearing, like, the yellow shirt with the tiara and the bracers? Ooh, I actually don't know if we did, but it was, it was like pretty incredible. <laughs> it was amazing. Like there was a lot of stuff in that show that was really good. One of the things that I really liked about it is how much the first couple of episodes were sort of barely a superhero show. And it was more just like Luke Cage, like trying to do the right thing and hanging out with his like mentor buddy Pops. Right. Like even though like a ton of things around him were like really bad. Like, he, Luke Cage, was just like, you know what, man? I'm just going to try and do the right thing in, like, my part of the world. Yeah, and, okay, listen, I guess, okay, uh, are you ready for spoilers for Luke Cage, listeners? Oh, yeah, sorry. You, you can jump ahead. Listen, uh, this will blow your mind. Marvel killed off, like, the cool mentor figure in their thing. I know. No I know you've never seen it happen before. But prior <laughs> to that, when Pops was still alive, and honestly, like, his character was, like... Even after he died, he was important to the show, like yeah, no, in a really absolutely. active way. Yeah, well, in a sort of like um, in sort of like an Uncle Ben kind of way that, like, even though he like is he did die and is gone, like his influence is like so impactful on Luke Cage and like a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, but that he kind of yeah. moves for yeah. But instead of having that like uh, great power, great responsibility message, what was the uh, what was it exactly that he had? Oh yeah, so his his phrase like like Pops said because okay, if you didn't watch the show like just really briefly, Pops had like a really like a he had a problematic past. You know, like he had been a criminal uh and like, you know, and then he sort of like, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he was like, you know, really working hard to get his act together and like being a mentor to other people. And uh, to reflect this, he had a slogan and his slogan was uh always forward, forward always. Just reflective of like, you know what, maybe bad stuff happens uh, and maybe there's like some negative things in your past. But for Pops, in this fictional TV show that we were watching. Yeah, it, it, it was very, it was very important. It was important to him, it was important to the characters in that show. And I think it, I think that that ethos is not only sort of a, a cool thing, but something that really made that show very cool, you know, sort of set yeah. the tone for it. Right, because like it wasn't. Like, it's great as Luke Cage is. And, like, I do. I super dig Luke Cage, like, as a character. Um, like, and the show itself, like, it like it was a superhero show in many ways, but in many ways it wasn't. It was about, like... The episode was 100% a superhero yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> like, he fights a dude named Diamondback in, like, a power suit. Uh, they're, like, throwing cars at each other. Um, it's pretty good. 
Yeah. Okay. So actually, real quickly about that, like there was something I was trying to figure out is that Diamondback, like he eventually, Luke Cage, he like stops punching Diamondback because I think what he realizes and like, help me out here. I think the suit is like a kinetic impact suit. So the more Luke Cage punches Diamondback, like the stronger Luke Cage, like the stronger Diamondback suit is. Is that like, was I reading that correctly? You know, it was never sort of explicitly stated in the show, but that was very much the impression that I got. He was wearing like a strong guy suit. And every time he'd gotten like shot or punched, it made him stronger. So Luke Cage just sort of like hunkered down and took a beating for a while. And then, because, you know, like, the, like just feeding him more and more of that sort of like violence was making him more powerful. So he yeah, just and like I think... backed off for a minute and sort of caught his breath and let the other guy wear himself out. And then he moved in to win the fight. Right. Like, not that Luke Cage like deserved any of that beating that like Diamondback was giving him. Like, don't get no, me wrong. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I think like what, but what Luke Cage realized is that like the more you fight, vil- like if you return that same sort of like anger and hatred and violence towards that villain, like he just gets stronger, weirdly. Yeah. Weirdly. And then like at the very end of the show, he's like always forward, forward, always. And I just thought that that was really, like that was just a great way to end that show that we were watching. Absolutely. So yeah, Dave, yeah. What's our uh, what's our third star of the week? So our third star of the week, Matt, is that I was like I don't do this a ton, because uh, I often like I like some quiet time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I'm in the car, I've got like a pretty short commute to work, and so like I usually just like leave the radio off, and I have a sort of like I just like you know sort of like some quiet space as I'm going to like wherever it is that I'm going. Right. But it's in the radio on the other day. Long commute anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's like ten minutes long. So like if my commute was like a, you know an hour or something, this would be a very different story. Uh, but my commute, I was, I turned the radio on as I was coming back from work, actually. You turned the radio on? And you turned the radio up? The one was singing your song? I'm sorry, I'm making a very bad Lisa Loeb the- joke right now. You yes, okay, it. thank you. It took me a second. It took me a second. Uh, but anyways, what came on was, uh, it was actually one of my favorite songs. And it was my journey. Oh, dude. Dude, I know. I know. I know. Journey, right? Uh, I was in, I was driving, so I couldn't do the dance. Uh, to the song, and the song is Don't Stop Believin'. Dude, Don't Stop Believin' has long been one of my, and I know it's cliche, long been it, one of I my know. favorite Everybody like, loves it. songs. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, I was driving, and I couldn't do the dance. The dance, by the way, if you don't know this, is uh, you just sort of stand with like, you're sort of like leaning forward, and uh, you're like kind of crouched on one leg, and the other leg is behind you, and you've got like one fist up, and you're just sort of pumping the air along with the song, and your head is down. And you're just sort of listening to Don't Stop Believing. Like, that's the dance. Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. But it's just the part where he's like, don't stop believing. And then they just like, they say a bunch of other stuff, but it's like the chorus. Dude, just hold on chorus, to that feeling. Hold on to that feeling where he's just like, just don't, don't stop believing. And I was like, dang, Journey. Uh, just wise words. Wise words, Journey. Just don't. Stop believing. Wise words from Journey. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think yeah, that no, we I just say was... that about a lot of Journey songs, but that's one in particular. But that one in particular, yeah, I was just rocking onto some Journey man. Uh, don't stop believing, and uh, that was really it. It was just a short one. Like I just, I don't listen to the radio a lot. I turned the radio on. It was don't stop believing, and then I was like, okay, well, when this is over, I'm just going to turn the radio off because. Like, whatever is going to come on after this isn't going to be as good. Uh, yeah. So we're just going to end it here. Dave, you, you should have warned us. Because really, you know what you just did? That was a commute update. Oh! 
oh man <laughs> no, i did i messed that one up i can eat so like so little i don't even think about it um so matt what that was a short star but matt what is our fourth star of the week you know fourth star of the week dave is as we're going to talk about in our fifth star we had a bunch of friends into town this weekend right and one of them, and I even forget the context of the conversation. I just remember what he said was he was talking about like the possibility of sometime in the future living in a post wild stallion society. Which, if you are not intimately familiar with the film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, the wild stallions are the band that Bill and Ted are like fated to create, which will be like yeah. the greatest positive influence on the world. And that's why they need to travel through time to collect like Napoleon and Socrates so they can pass their history exam or their project so that uh, Ted doesn't get sent off to military school, which would break up the band. Yes, And exactly. so uh, George Carlin, as the character Rufus, comes back from the future um, to give them this time machine so they can do all this. And the like, what's so great about Rufus's character is he is, like I said, he's from that post-Wild Stallions society. Yes, so, right. so, like, his whole world is built around, like, the message of this band. And first of all, it's great because it's got, like, this very sort of, like, 80s rock and roll future ethos. <laughs> it's like, and it's George Carlin. Right. But what's, all, what's so amazing is that, like, in this weird goof, right, of this, like, these two, like, dummies like putting together this band to save the world like he comes back and like the quote that he's bringing back from the future is be excellent to each other and yeah dudes be excellent to each other is like the greatest like voice of like positive affirmation from a utopian future like i don't know what like the equivalent would be in like a Star Trek, but and I know that Star Trek is meant to be a utopian future. There is no utopian future that I want to live in more than the post Wild Stallions future, uh, where everyone just lives on, true. Like everyone just lives by the code of be excellent to each other. Yeah, just like and they just say it over and over again in the movie. Just be excellent to each other. Yeah, and listen, dudes, it's twenty sixteen. You don't gotta up, up your games. games. You can be excellent. Just be to, excellent to each other. You don't gotta. You don't gotta wait for Bill and Ted to make a future band. You can be excellent to each other right now. If you have the choice to be excellent to each other or not be excellent to each other, just be excellent. Just do it. Oh my god. Yeah. Just no. Just do that thing. Just be excellent to each other. Anyway, Dave. That's that's uh, that is our four star. What is our fifth and final star of the week? Oh, so our fifth and final star of the week, Matt, is, uh, as you just mentioned, that we did have a bunch of friends over into Cleveland, and what we were doing is that we are working on, we're not going to tell you what it is yet, because it is in, like, it's very nascent. Like, we're just really starting in on this thing. Oh, yeah. But this we is, have this kind of... This is what I'm currently, like, referring to as the great unnamed project. Like, it is... Yeah. There is going to be a lot of components to this before we can release it to the public. But eventually, theoretically, we will. And theoretically, yeah. you will love it. Hope, yeah, we'd hope so. Uh, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about that. But what was really cool, Matt, and, uh, you know, we get together with these friends. It's our college buddies, like producer Mark and, and some of the other, like, ROS podcast family, Retrograde Orbit Radio family of, of podcasts. And But what was really cool is that, you know, individually we all work on these projects. But we thought it would be really cool is that if we all together kind of came together 
to do like one creative project that we all would work on. Yeah. So we planned like this and big that, like writer's retreat weekend at your house. Yes. And like it was like, you know, like, listen, there were some rough. I don't want to say like rough spots, but, you yeah, know, like everybody has a voice. Like someone was like fighting. There were rough parts because yeah, it, was, it was like early days and we were just roughing stuff out. Yeah, but like, listen, like it was tough. Like it was the kind of a tiring thing oh, yeah. um, to to like get together with like a whole bunch of different people, like people who potentially disagree with you about some things, and like try to try to like create this like one big thing all together, and like just you know, like to recognize that maybe it's not going to be like your individual perfect vision of like what you would have done if you were doing it all by yourself. Oh yeah. But like also to, but like, you know, like it's a project like that. You got to recognize that it's just impossible to do it by yourself. Like there's just too much stuff to do. And so like at some point you have to just say like, you know what, man? Uh, Like I get it, but like, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, cause this, this particular project was, Sort of like very initially kicked off by me. Like this is an idea that right. I had. Oh a while yeah, yeah, yeah. It is based around like your like brainchild. Um, and yeah, like it's one of those things that like a year and a half ago I had written like a short story about it, but like I am just not capable of getting this whole thing running on my own. And so like yeah, I did have to accept a couple of changes that, and honestly, like they weren't things that I would have never brought to the table, um, but. You know, other people brought them and I, you know, we figured it out and I think made the whole thing better. And it was a lot of work and it's probably going to require another couple of rounds. But I think ultimately it's really going to be worth it. Yeah. So it was like it was a super fun weekend. Uh, I know you guys listen to the podcast, so it was great to see you all. And so, yeah, I just thought, you know, it was like it was a really good experience. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, it was actually kind of crazy, Matt, that we came up with all that stuff to talk about, even though there was, like, just nothing nothing going on yeah, in the news. It was pretty wild. Dead week. Um, uh, but uh, you, know what else? <laughs> you know what else we can come up to talk about, uh, Dave, is episode 10 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, a crybaby goblin. Uh, and we will be right back. Ninja, ninja. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 10 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, the Crybaby Goblin. Uh, Dave, what did, you, what did you think about this episode before we get into it? Because I had a very particular thought. Uh, it was, I don't know, man, just like uncomfortable. It was actually pretty, well, no, yeah, just I'm sticking with uncomfortable. On this one. Okay, there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff to this. That actually... Like, it was a good episode. That was not my initial thought. My initial thought is that, like, uh, this is sort of old hat. We have seen this before. Like, we have seen something almost exactly like this episode before. Not in Cocky Ranger, but certainly in a previous season of the Super Sentai Brothers. I mean, just in that it's... Well, we'll we'll get to it as we sort of start to outline what is going on in this episode. Oh... Oh no! Yes, no. You're totally right. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So let's get into it. Okay. Uh, we start sorry. Off... It took me a minute. Yeah. 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 To... <laughs> you got you got to sift through a lot of weird, weird stuff before you get back that far. But just just so much weird stuff. Okay. You guys. So we start off at a what looks to be a store of some sort called Neverland. Yeah, and we go inside the store and we see a little girl is being handed a doll by like what is clearly like a store clerk or something, and she's like, "Thanks, Dad." And the store, like, 
I think it's this the store is like toys and maybe fine home goods slash antiques. It's very hard to tell. It's also hard to tell how much of this building is the store Neverland because the building just says Neverland on the front, but it's also like a giant, probably office building. So I can't yeah, tell if this and is this... supposed to be like a 10-story building full of like antique dolls and fine furniture. Yeah, no, like it can't possibly be because we see the store and it just isn't like, okay, like we're getting into weird details here, but like it's a store, it sells fine home goods and dolls, like just a ton of dolls, like a creepy amount of dolls. So nobody needs as many dolls. Yeah. And, okay, so either, okay, either it is selling fine home goods or this dude or, has just put so much money into the display cases that like it's mostly a doll store but he has bought like fine antique furniture for those dolls to be sitting on for people to come in and shop through them. Yeah, no, I believe that. I absolutely believe because we're about to find some stuff out. Oh yeah, so this, the Oka- this is not a standard store clerk. And I've yeah, worked no, in like, stores. Uh, really, Matt? You never worked with a yokai who that just never I mean, not that I never know came up of for you. I mean, listen, I would have to I would have to sift back through like my old Facebook contacts to see if anybody has some like conspicuous face paint. But to my knowledge, nobody does. But this guy does. He has like Hold this up. giant red teardrop coming out of his Matt, left Matt, eye. Matt, just just real quickly, uh, you were a store clerk, and you also had a job that involved a lot of face paint. Dave, please, can we not talk about the time that I was a clown? Do you just? Do you have something that you need to tell the audience at home? Uh, No, Dave, I do not. Thank you very much for (laughs) casting aspersions upon the uh, my my resume. But (laughs) (laughs) Matt was a clown once at a at a (laughs) it was check cashing store. It was the grand opening of a check cashing store in a parking lot. In, like, the worst part of Cleveland. Um, yep, just showing out, juggling, making balloon animals, wearing that face paint. Uh, I, I had to go to work after that job because I was also working at the Borders Outlet store, but I could never quite get all of the clown makeup off before I had to go to work. So I would have just, like, this thin shadow of, like, horrifying clown makeup on as I was, like, stocking the shelves. Like, like just enough that, like... You had like if you caught it out of the corner of your eye, you would have to look again, and then you would like realize that it wasn't you weren't having like a horrible waking nightmare. Um, no, no, the, I was the yeah. one having the horrible waking nightmare. <laughs> so, so the clerk turns around and like he has like a big red teardrop on his face, and he says, "It sure would be nice to have a family." Like he like he watches this happy family walk away and he's like, Man, it would be nice if I had a family, so that's sad. And he says, I have all these dolls, but I'm so lonely. And he picks up a doll and he says, Wait a minute. Hold up. I've just had a brilliant idea. I've had a great idea. Also, I just want to say again, like, we were pretty sure that the yokai have been hanging out just, like, with humans for, like, a real long time, right? Right, and have only just recently, like, ten weeks ago, gotten their power back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, oh, okay, that actually does make sense. Because he, he hasn't been thinking about himself as having superpowers, like, super yokai powers. Because what he says is, like, hold up, wait, uh, I can take souls from humans and give them to the dolls, and I will make my own family. 
you know, like you do. Like you do. And this is actually where, Matt, this is what you were talking about, that we actually have seen this happen before. Oh, yeah. This is like a lot of this episode is going to hit on some stuff that we saw in the Key Clown episode, which is like the third or fourth monster from Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Yeah, which I had actually I had totally forgotten about. But yes, they do basically the exact same thing. So, first of all, my dude, that is just... I mean, like, I guess maybe his motivation is better than Key Clowns, because Key Clowns is just, like, hurt everyone and destroy the world. Sure, this, this dude at least just yo- wants to, like, hang out with a family. But, so, like, it doesn't you know, make it any more pleasant for us to watch. At least when so, Key Clown did it, we got, like, an awesome, like, puppet toy rampage that was, like, burning down the city and looked hilarious. Yeah, no, we are not. Not going to get that, for sure. So we go from there, we go from Neverland to the park, and there is a, it's the dude, and he is walking a carriage, all right, like a baby carriage, mm-hmm. and he, he's like, oh, cool, there's some souls, I will just, I will steal those souls, great job. So he disappears, and the baby carriage starts to roll forward on its own towards, like, this mother and child. The mother sees it, gets up, and runs over because, you know, there's an abandoned baby stroller rolling towards her, and she's a human with a soul, which I guess makes this a perfect trap. Um, Yeah, perfect. And she runs over, and she reaches into the stroller, like, oh my gosh, baby, like, are you okay? Were your parents? Are you abandoned? And then these, like, green monster arms reach up and strangle the woman until she collapses and her face goes ashen because her soul is gone now. Yup. And then the lady's daughter runs over and is just like, oh, like, mom, 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 like, what's going on? She runs and, like, finds Tsuruhime. Yes, because conveniently she knows Tsuruhime. Right. And, like, Nekamaru is parked, I don't know, like, at the end of the block or something. So we cut to another part of town where the baby stroller is rolling down the street, again, abandoned, and a cop who's on a bicycle sees it and is like, oh my gosh, runaway baby. Baby. Like, runaway baby stroller. Gotta, gotta have that baby. Like, unless this is a, like, late 80s, early 90s movie and this is a hilarious scenario, what should probably happen is that I should stop that baby from rolling probably into train tracks. Yes. So he, like, runs and he catches the baby and he picks, and it doesn't actually... This time it stays a baby and he picks it up out of the carriage and it turns into like a statue and he starts falling over. And then we flip over to the narrator and like, I'm sure that this dude had a name and I can't remember what it is. And the narrator explains that this yokai is called the Konakijiji and the Konakijiji is basically like a baby will-o'-the-wisp. Like travelers would hear it off, like off the side of the road. They would hear a baby crying and they would go and check it out because they're humans with souls and they would pick the baby up and then the baby would get super heavy and it would, they would either like sink into the swamp or like be crushed by it or something. Right. But like in some way they, it's a bad heavy boy. That's what we're looking at. Exactly. (laughs) So we flip from there. So that's the deal with, uh, but he, he is a great name. Uh, I just kind of Kijiji is a really fun thing to say. It is. So we go from there to Nekomaro. Nekomaro is driving around and they, they, the rangers, that is, they see the carriage and it, like, they don't say exactly how they know, but the rangers clearly know what's up. Right. Like, they know that, oh, because the little girl probably told them. Yeah, so they see the carriage, like, roll down an alley. So they hop out of Nekamaro and start chasing the thing. This carriage, by the way, is rolling not in the way that a carriage would roll downhill 
Um, like it's just like rolling across flat surfaces, taking turns. Like this is like baby Mario's cart from Super Mario. Yeah, no, cart. like it's like, it's driving itself. Yeah. Like it's yeah. So they they are like chasing after it, and they are like trying to like they know that it's the monster. Okay, and. This is actually pretty cool. So it turns into its like monster form and it's like a weird puppet, which is actually kind of neat looking. Yeah. So it's got like this sort of green. It's I'm, I'm finding it sort of difficult to describe it because it actually has a couple of forms throughout the episode, depending on what size it has to be for like which prop it is part of. Yeah, but it is. I don't know. It's like a weird marionette face, which is kind of cool. So they like chase after it and like it's kind of like running away from them and they can't quite catch it and it goes under this like overpass and as they run over like the crazy long like puppet arms like swing down and hit him in the face and then they run through and they look up and the baby carriage is now over the overpass and by the time they get up there it has disappeared so yes, and the, it, like, the, the it crazy arms hit um Saizo uh Jiraiya and Sekai yes so the other two, because I guess those three need to like go back to Nekomaru and like nurse their wounds from getting whacked with a weird floppy arm. Uh, the other two, Sotohime and Sasuke, go to the hospital with the little girl whose name is coincidentally Kaori. Yes. Um, so Kaori's mother and also the police officer are in the hospital in the same room uh, because they have realized, the hospital has realized that is, that... The doctor, the doctor of science... Well, okay, so he he knows that their souls are missing. Like, that is his official diagnosis. Hmm, we've run some tests, guys, and they're missing their souls. Hey, listen, he does say that even medical science can't explain this mystery, but he does know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is what the problem is. (laughs) So then they're like, oh, no, this is terrible. And then the nurse arrives, and she, like, pops her head in the door, and is like, doctor... Five more patients have arrived with their souls gone. And by the way, this nurse does not seem like extraordinarily freaked out. It's like she's she's literally just walking through as though she would say like, hey, there was a car accident and we've got a couple of people in here with like, you know, concussions. So that's that's a test that they have. Like they can run like they can run your blood oxygen levels and like test you for diseases and also check to see. If your soul is gone, so I mean, it seems handy. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like if you live in the universe of Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger, that is a test you will have wanted to, to develop. Listen, dude. Like we've said, this is the second time in a little over two years that we have run into this exact problem um, on this <laughs> podcast. So, if we were, you know, crazy medical scientists, I would like to think that we would have started to think about something about how to deal with this. So we go from there. We go back to Nekamaru, and the Rangers are totally upset. Yeah, and the, the they're like, oh, hit have like a first aid kit open, and they're like bandaging up their wounds. And they're super angry, and then Tsuruhime sort of refocuses them. And she's like, no, we have to get this thing. And they're like, oh, here's what we'll do. We will make our own carriage. And like, I wouldn't, like, I'm not totally sure about this, but I remember from, remember Oborogumara? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure when they are talking about a carriage, the word is just gum, guruma. 
Uh, and I think Obero is maybe just means monster then. So maybe it just means like monster carriage. I don't know. Oh, I was just like, ah, Gumaru, Gumaru. I heard that. I felt, I felt real good about myself. Cool. So maybe there's not a joke about that. I just felt good. No, it's just so, nice to actually like recognize a word. So their, their yeah. plan is that they are going to make a decoy stroller. And then one of them is going to sit in the stroller. And that is going to act as a bait for Kony 2012. Uh, I, uh, Kona I genuinely have no idea why that is supposed to work. No, this plan makes no sense at all. Like, I know... <laughs> <laughs> they, like they're really sure about it. They're like, "Oh yeah, we'll like do the thing, and then we will we'll trap him." And listen, spoiler, he, spoiler warning: it's gonna work. Like this decoy stroller, stroller is very much going to draw out uh, Konakijiji, but there's no reason for it. It just yeah. So it, it's very well. Frustrating. Okay, actually. I think I think there actually is a reason for it, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay. So they make this carriage, and they're like, "Well, one of us has to dress up like a baby, obviously." Oh, sure. For this to work, listen, there's no other option. So they're like, "We'll do rock paper scissors," and they're about to do it, and then I forget who, but somebody says, "Wait, wait, 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 hold up." It's uh, it's Sizo. Ninpo, Sizo. Ninpo rock paper scissors. So they all like take a moment to do their like, some sort of like ninja style preparatory ritual to see who wins their five way rock paper scissors match. Which because obviously none of them want to be this teen baby. Yeah, nobody nobody is interested in being an adult teen baby. So they so Sasuke loses is the quick version. Sasuke loses, and then they, there's a hard cut, and we see Sasuke is dressed just as a baby and like i genu like for real i thought that they were going to use like ninpo transformation technique i mean and, like, that would make sense right right because they can literally turn into as far as i can tell anything and so like it doesn't seem like a baby would be real hard no but they have just like dressed no. him up in like a bad baby costume with face paint just and for a group of people bad who all five of them like desperately did not want to have to do this part of the plan. Like they are being very cruel to Sasuke. It's not, it's not real cool. So they get, so Sasuke is just his baby. And then we go from there to outside a subway, outside a subway station. Sasuke, he's in the baby carriage and he's just like, he's going for it. He's props pretending props to, to Sasuke. Uh, he sounds he's, exactly yeah. like a goat. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but Sasuke trying to sound like a baby crying just sounds 100% like a goat bleating. Did, just did not, did not catch that. Well, Doesn't make it better. Well, you know, next time through, when you're doing your annual rewatch of Ninja with Sentai Kakaranger, just keep that in the back of your head. Don't, yeah, don't think that's going to help. Don't think that makes it better. <laughs> so a, a bunch of people wander over to the stroller and are like, oh my gosh, a baby. And then they actually look at him like, oh... No, it's just a weirdo. <laughs> this is this is maybe my highlight of the episode. And they're just like, "What's wrong? What is wrong with you? Why are you dressed like a?" <laughs> and then Sizo, what? And then Sizo runs out, and he's like, "No, you guys need to get away." Uh, because he's worried that they're ruining his plan. Like, you need to get away. This is a yokai stroller, and they all just look at him and like. This is another weirdo. Like, why are all of these people doing these things? This does not make sense. But I they just, comply so <laughs> because they don't want to be near them, and they just leave. <laughs> right. 
right. I just love that their reaction is totally like because so often the bystanders in this show act as though like the weirdest stuff is completely reasonable. And <laughs> this is just very weird. And they're all like, what is this is very like, do you guys recognize that you're dressed as a baby? You know that, right? You're like, you know, you're in public. Like you're an adult man, right? Uh, yeah, as a baby. So. So those people leave and then the other four rangers go back to their hiding places. Sasuke, of course, remains in the stroller. We see right. a couple of people walk by. We see a soccer team run up. And they're yeah. just oh, out, but- you know, running their practices, apparently. Right. Well, real quick, though, we do see Konakijiji, like, off to the side, who, like, sees it, but does not interact with Sas- the baby Sasuke. Right, because why would he? So, like, he? he's there. Yeah, because that's weird. So, the soccer team runs up, and they, like, are very obviously, like, Dorodoros, and so they kick a soccer ball at Sasuke, and it, like, explodes on his head into, like, a fine white powder. Sasuke passes out. And they not so like, and then they steal him. And then as they are stealing him, the other Rangers are like, oh, wait, this is not a good plan at all. Sasuke's being stolen. And they run out and they try to fight. So this, Matt, was what I was going to say is I think the only reason it does draw out Konakijiji, but I think it only draws him out because he's like, this is a terrible, stupid trap, but I can like, I could like flip this on you guys and manage to kidnap one of whichever one of you is the idiot in the in the carriage. So he is not so I think it's why he was just out. taking advantage of the fact that they have put one of them in a trailer. Or in a, uh, yeah, stroller. precisely. So there's a quick fight and I did love, it was a real quick thing, but Seikai does the same move, like he does the Yellow Ranger move where he like picks the dude up on his shoulders and spins around and then throws him. I have that in my notes too, the Yellow Ranger toss. Yeah, the Yellow Ranger toss. Uh, I'm by the sure way, there's before, a name for it. Before the Dorodoros changed into their Dorodoro form away from the soccer players, they did all kick their soccer balls at the four uh, cocky rangers, and those soccer balls did explode, and it was great. <laughs> so, so we go over to Neverland. We go from there to Neverland, and it's just... It's like slow shots of the dolls... And some like Which classical is, music, or it's like some choral music. It is uh, Lachmay's flower duet. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Good. Uh, uh, good that catch. piece of music. Yeah, no. Uh, it's like a, it's a pretty famous choral piece, and it's really, really pretty. Except afterward, like after this initial like choral duet part, the rest of the song gets like way less pleasant. <laughs> it's sort of like parts of this episode. Heyo. So. Yeah. <laughs> so Sasuke is tied up and Sorry. <laughs> just <laughs> real quick, Matt, as because you know, we're getting these like slow panning shots with the music. And on my notes just say in all caps, begin the ensoulment. <laughs> oh, by and the I way, just, I wanted to I put that out there. Konakijiji, he has like his human form, he has a pipe and he keeps putting it up to his mouth as though he is smoking that pipe. He is not smoking that pipe. Yeah, no, he is not. And so Sasuke's tied up. Konakijiji is like wandering around and he turns into his yokai form. And he's actually got two yokai forms. Like his first yokai form is this weird, like, it's the one we mentioned before. It's like a baby doll marionette with like a weird giant head. Mm-hmm. And that's that's very strange. And we're we're about to see his other forms. So I'll just like talk about it now. He's got like his his full-size yokai form is really cool looking. It's like um 
it's as though it's got like a he kind of looks like a cartoon character. Does that make like a Hayao Miyazaki cartoon character? Does that make sense, yeah, Matt? Yeah, he's got sort of like an egg-shaped body where his head is not at the top of it. It's sort of like down, sort of like in where like the chest region would be. Not as though his yeah. face is on his chest, but just the, it's like, like he's like a big hunchback kind of, but like in a sort of like cartoony monster way. Yeah, and he has the same face as the small version of himself had. Yeah, and he's got like a he's got like a big like a ringmaster's coat like a tail tail coat kind of thing sort of yeah like a big red it, coat yeah it's just like you kind of maybe have to look it up it's not easy to describe but it does look really neat but anyways so he now explains to sasuke who's all tied up he says i just wanted a family he's like i just wanted a family so i had to steal all of these souls so i can bring these dolls to life and then we sort of pan around to all these different dolls and I I saw that on one of these dolls. Like, I just, like, I actually stopped the show and then, like, went back and paused it to make sure. And, like, some of the dolls have, like, dresses or, like, clothes on or whatever. But, like, one of them does not. It's just, like, you know, like, kind of just the doll chilling out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doll 100% has a penis. Oh, like really? That, oh, yeah. Like there's a tiny, huh. there's a tiny, well, how about that? Stitched penis on this doll, and I was like, I was so, I was, I was like, no, that couldn't possibly have been the case. And I went back to check, and it, like, sure enough, unless like I'm just looking at it real weird, and I'm pretty sure I'm not. Well, how about that? Yup. So anyway, so all <laughs> of these dolls start calling for Sasuke's death. In, like, sort of specific ways. We're talking about, like, setting him on fire and hanging him. It's it's not a good moment for Sasuke. Y- yeah. Uh, yeah, no, anytime semi-sentient dolls are calling for you to be hung, that's not a cool space. No. So, Kota Kijiji at this point, this is when he grows into his big form. And he sits down on his chair and says, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to all have a family photo. And so he gathers all the dolls to sort of surround him. And he sets up like a camera on a tripod. Um, And he just does like, this is the sort of thing that seems like it ought to have been nefarious. Like when the camera goes off, it would explode and kill Sasuke or something. It's not. It's literally just them taking a family portrait. Yup. Now this is actually pretty cool because Sasuke has worked out his Doron charger like out of his back pocket. And he times like the click of his Doron charger with the shutter going off. So, yeah, so Kona Kijiji does not know that this has happened. He's not transforming, but he is calling to the other Kaku Rangers to let them know where he is. Yes. So they're like, they all, we see them and they're like, oh my gosh, it's over in this place. And so they all run over. And then when the Rangers arrive for at Neverland, like nobody's there. Well, Konikijiji is not there and Sasuke is not there. And it's just the it's just the dolls. And they're like, the Rangers will explode and die. And like, this is you're all gonna die and we're gonna kill you all. But the dolls are like just kind of coming to life and the Rangers like the Rangers are super weirded out. Yeah, they're which, like, We uh we should probably just go now. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I get it. It's not unreasonable that they're weirded out. I just I kind of dig that they the Rangers are creeped out by it. Uh, so they go, and what they were, and what the dolls were saying about the ranger exploding and dying is that Konakijiji has set this thing up where he has put Sasuke still tied up back into the stroller, 
that he was in originally. And he has him at like the top of this very long staircase. And at the bottom of that staircase is a stack of barrels. And those barrels are full of some kind of explosive, which you know because the barrels are black and they have red writing on them. And they're in a TV show, so of course they will explode. Yeah, also they do say gunpowder on them in English. Well, listen, I mean, that's, you know, sort of putting it right on the nose, but sure. <laughs> so, so Konakichiji's like, well, I'm going to roll you down this hill, and then you get hit the gunpowder, and then you'll explode and die. It'll be like you never were. So he rolls him down, which is really specific. So he rolls him down the hill. And as this is happening, the other four yeah. rangers arrive at the bottom of the steps, and they're like running up towards Sasuke to try to save him. So they're running, he's rolling, running, rolling, running, rolling. And they're like almost about to make it, but then they don't. And Sasuke hits the barrels and there's a giant explosion. And the Rangers are like, oh no. And then we see Konakijiji at the top and he's like, ah, ha, 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 you dumb jerk. Uh, I've exploded you. And then the, and then the uh, smoke clears. And this is always one of my so favorite good. things. So the smoke clears and Sasuke's there and he's fine because of course he's fine. I always love it when the bad guy thinks he's murdered one of the rangers and then sees through the fire him totally okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, ha, during the thing, I use Ninpo Rope Escape. And then we cut away to the narrator. The narr- and there's a big... <laughs> the narrator really feels like he needs to let you know exactly what Ninpo Rope Escape is. So what <laughs> Ninpo Rope Escape is, is you just you dislocate your limbs. You dislocate your limbs so you can slip out of the ropes. And then you're like an octopus. Yeah. And then he just, it's, just it's a not solid like ninja magic. It's literally just like the way that escape artists break out of straitjackets. And then he does a solid like 10 second octopus impersonation as he's explaining this, which is great. It is pretty good. Um, so we go back to the thing and the range is all henge and they start fighting. And it, it, Konakiji is like, I surrender. And they're like, Wait, really? You surrender? And he's like, nope, I don't. And then he attacks, he attacks Sasuke. And I thought this was a super cool attack. This was very neat, yeah. He jumps on, like, as Sasuke approaches him, he gets up from being, like, knelt down, jumps on top of Sasuke, like, latches onto his stomach like a, like an aggressive baby Bjorn, and then becomes extremely heavy. So Sasuke starts, like, slipping into the ground. And, like, he's standing on concrete. So, like, they have rigged this whole thing to make it look like his feet are being shoved down into the concrete. It's very cool. It was a super neat thing. And I also dug it because like that's Kona Kijiji's deal. Like that's what he does. Yeah. And so, but it turns out that also is not Sasuke. That was a costume substitution. And listen, they do and, that move a lot. And I keep feeling like I ought to at some point get sick of it. But I am 100% on board with every time it happens. Yeah, no, it's red every time. So then... Okay, so Tsuruhime walks up and she says, now you'll see our teamwork. Oh yeah, dude, are you ready and for And she teamwork? has, so she has like a white, it's a it's a football shaped thing and it just says Kaku Ranger on the front. Yeah, well it's the Kaku Ranger ball. Yeah. Listen, she says this much, you should, you should know this. Yeah, no, it's in my notes. Notes just say Kaku Ranger ball. And so she kicks off and she says kick off and she kicks kicks it off to one of the other rangers and they I forget which one and they grab it and they turn around and the ball has changed from white to whatever color they are 
and then they eventually like it ends up in Sasuke's hands and he turns around and it's red and then he kicks the ball at Konakijiji and it explodes. Well, he kicks it twice. He punts the ball into the air and then he jumps up after it and kicks it down towards Konakijiji. It's I just like complicated. I have no idea what the point of this is. Okay, what's weird is I don't know what the point of this is, but I can tell you that I think uh, Go Ranger, the very first Sentai show, has a similar thing where there's like a ball that gets passed in between all of them. I think in their case, it's a soccer ball, but there's a ball that gets passed between all of them and then they use that as like a final attack to kill people. It's very weird, but there is some kind of precedent for it at least. I, okay, Listen, yeah, I know that that's I, not satisfying. I know that what you wanted was like an actual explanation as to why the exploding football made sense, and I can't offer you that. All I can give you is the thin, cold comfort of the fact that this has happened before. This has... Okay. So, yes. Great. So, it explodes, and then they are like giant beasts and he's like i'll crush you with giantism and then it's so it's giant general saruder he fights konakijiji for a second for like a i second. do dig yeah i do dig that konakijiji is like a weird crazy puppet because he like shoots his arms out and he, they're like all dangly but that doesn't work really well because G- G- beast general saruder actually grabs konakijiji's arms and uses his like giant long flexible arms to like throw konakijiji around so that doesn't work super well for him. No. And then, again, they're like, hey, guys, let's combine. And they turn into Miteki Shogun, and there's literally no fight again. Right. Just like, like it's just death. It's Kota Kijiji running towards Miteki Shogun, and then Miteki Shogun just kills him, and that's it. Which I... Okay. So I still really like that, that like, Miteki Shogun is still so overpowered. I am getting to the point where I would really like to see a giant rope, like a good giant robot fight. Well, okay, we're getting it a little bit with the, like, with the giant beast generals. And what I'm hoping that we're going to get is that we are going, like, they're building up so much for us the idea that Muteki Shogun is just the invincible general and that, like, nothing can even touch him. So that when we actually get a fight with Muteki Shogun, then it'll be like a really big, I, like, I, whoa, I am holy main, crap. Yes, I am maintaining hope in that. How, but like, dude, it's this is episode 10. It's episode 10. The, like, Muteki Shogun is still unstoppable. We still don't know who the main enemy is. And we still don't have, like, like, Sandayu turned out to not really be that much of a character. And I thought he was going to be the mentor. There's just a lot that I'm recognizing about this show as we go on. That continues to surprise me. Yeah, it Listen, really... I'm happy that we are, you know, three years on our third year of this and still being surprised. Yeah, I generally, I really am kind of into it that like they're subverting so many of the things that like I feel like I already know are going to happen, and they're like, nope, those just things aren't happening, which is pretty cool. So, but we go from there back to the hospital, and everybody gets their souls back. Great. Uh, also, weirdly, they did not change these people into hospital gowns. Like, everybody's just wearing whatever clothes they were wearing when they were admitted to the soulless ward. Yeah, because they are all in the same room, of course. Yeah. So, 
So they all so get up hooray, and everybody's, everybody's happy, fine. And that's where the episode should end. Yup, that is, but it isn't. So we go where it actually yeah, ends. We go back to Neverland. And, and there's a sign on the front that says, like, closed forever, basically. Or maybe it just says, like, closed. It's closed. And inside. And we see the narrator. Yeah, the, inside, the narrator is walking around, which is really weird. Because other than that one intro where, like, the Cocky Rangers invaded his intro space, like, we've never seen the narrator as a character who's, like, on a set before, other than his, like, main space. Yeah, uh, but he's there, and he's just sort of, like, walking around, and he's like, family is such a wonderful thing, and human or yokai, we all need family. And he finds the portrait, like the family portrait that uh, Konekujiji had taken earlier in the episode, and he picks it up and looks at it. And he, he looks at it, and he says, oh, wow, even this yokai had children why don't i oh goodness and he like collapses into this chair like and like really sad and like yeah like drops the photograph and he says like oh this is no time to be thinking about that and then like so one of the dolls and then vanishes out of the room what the heck Haku Ranger? What is... I, like, I what is going on? I do not know, man. I do not know why they decided to end on this weird, weird note. And also the fact that he's, like, wandering around in Yokai's old lair and talking about how Yokai deserve family and then disappearing from the scene makes me wonder if maybe the narrator is a Yokai? I, like, I don't think that that is the case. It's probably not. Listen, there's, like, a... chance that that is going to happen but in case it is I just want to have said it out loud one time anyway it's weird it's weird you guys I I do actually like this episode quite a bit the ending is just weird uh yeah so that's that's the end of the episode okay so since we are at the end Dave um it is now time for our closing segment, uh, let's put this dude up on the Creature Royale. So, I... Okay, first of all, I super dig this guy's look. Yes. Like, I think he's just... He's got, like, a really, really neat look, which is rad. Uh, he is a monster with a lot of pathos. I'll give him that. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I feel for him. I'm not saying I agree with what he did. But like, I feel for him. Sure, sure, sure. But he's not, like, he's not successful. Like, no, I mean, okay, okay, sorry. He does manage to steal souls from, like, regular humans. But beyond that, like, basically no element of his plan is successful. Right. Like, he manages to kidnap Sasuke, which, like, doesn't work out. He tries to explode Sasuke, which also doesn't work out. His fight, he's defeated by, like, Kaku Ranger Ball, and then Muteki Shogun annihilates him. Like, there's no... Like, he pretty much just loses start to finish. Okay, so speaking of dudes who don't have a lot of luck, but do have a good look, and you sort of feel for them, um, what do we think about him in relation to Oberogumara, the evil taxi cab monster? Oh, I really thought that you were going to say Sergeant Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, where's Sergeant Cannon? Sergeant Cannon's pretty darn pretty far down there. Sergeant Cannon's like way down at the bottom because like he just loses so hard. Okay, let's put him above Sergeant Cannon. I think he's better than Sergeant Cannon because actually I don't know. Is he? Yeah, he's better than Sergeant Cannon. But that's that's about it. I mean, he does manage to kidnap Sasuke. Okay, yeah, he does. So let me let me like throw this out at you, Archbishop Saw. Is he cooler than like the Goma Emperor? Not actual Emperor Goma, but like the lightning lightning hands Goma style Emperor, sure, like, like Emperor to Iron Monks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's as cool as Archbishop Saw. Uh, you know, I would I might actually put him above Archbishop Saw, just because okay, so he's he. Listen, Archbishop Saw. There's a couple of characters on this list that always I feel like get um put lower on my personal list of preferences because they don't really have their own episodes, and Archbishop Saw is one of them. He's very much a supporting character. Okay, yeah. Check. Whereas right like, on. this dude, at least, like, he's got a plan. He's got a full episode. He tur- he steals souls. Like, listen, if we're comparing him to, like, there is a much better version of this dude, and that dude is Key Clown. And Key Clown's near the top of the list, and we're not getting anywhere near that with this dude. Yeah, no, no. That's, yeah, yeah. Like, that's definitely not, not true. Uh, or that definitely is true, rather. So, cooler than Archbishop Saw, Baron String, cooler than Baron String. I mean, maybe. Okay, he's got a better look than... Uh, let's Okay, so let's jump up a little bit. Purse Monk. Is he better than Purse Monk? No, his dunks are terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than Tofu Hermit? Um, Nah, Tofu Hermit has a better episode. Like, they've got yeah, really okay. fun looks, and Tofu Hermit's episode I like a lot more. Okay, I do like him better than Azukirai. The bean washer from earlier on in Cocker Ranger? Yes, I do too. Okay, so... seemed very um, sort of generic in a way that um, uh, Konakijuji does not. All right, man. So that's... He's above Azukirai, below Tofu Hermit at spot 30. Space number 30 on the Creature Royale. Nice. And I think that's going to do it for us, yeah? Yeah, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocky Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or want to check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Um, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week and be excellent to each other. Kaku.